Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe and I'm Georgia and we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations, tips and tricks, products we love and brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Welcoming one of our favourite experts back to the podcast today and a timely episode as it's Maternal Mental Health Awareness Week this week. We have got the lovely Laura Guckian back on the podcast from Mind Mommy Coaching. Laura is actually keeping me company today as Zoe is having some much needed time off in Ibiza for Doz's birthday. Laura, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. We were only just saying there before we came on, it's almost been a year since I joined you first and it feels like two months ago. So I'm so happy to be back today and what a perfect opportunity to talk to you again. As soon as we sort of were talking about who we'd get on for this episode, you're the first person that came to our (laughs) minds. It's a hard topic, isn't it? Because it's something that I think a lot of us look back on and we'll be like, oh yeah, that actually wasn't right. Baby blues gets, the word baby blues gets thrown thrown around a lot and often overlooked. And so obviously, you know, Sometimes you look back with hindsight and you think, oh, actually, those feelings, they, that, that, they weren't normal, you know, that, that that wasn't a normal thing to be feeling. But yeah. it's not until we have these conversations and highlight, you know, that this isn't a normal way to feel and you don't have to feel like that, that people actually know to get help and know to talk about it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Should we just jump straight into the questions? Yeah, whatever works. And like, I think that's really important what you said there. I think always looking back, regardless of how we felt, I think that's a universal thing with women. We always felt like we were the only ones or that there was something wrong with us or not trusting how mm. we were feeling. Yeah. And I think that's a massive part of maternal mental health is actually realizing one, we're not alone and two, trusting. Like if I feel it, it's real and it's valid. Mm. So I think that's so core to start off with. Yeah, absolutely. Right. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Let's just get into the questions because I'm sure there's going to be so many little topics that we can discuss here. I'm really struggling since my second child. I feel like I had my tribe with my first, but now they are all at school. I feel so lonely. Mums with children the same age as my second don't understand the school run. Their children nap, mine doesn't. Mm. I only spend time with superficial friends, not the deep, real ones. I hear this all the time. One of the big things that change changes when we become mums is that friendship dynamic, doesn't it? And I think that's what she's referring to there, that her tribe of friends, it feels that that's a little bit different now that she has. I think what she's saying there is she now has a smaller child again and her older kids are in school. And 
and kind of her mum friends are not maybe at the same stage as her. And I think that's, that's first of all, a really normal thing that friendships change. But also I think it's about asking herself, what does she want in a tribe? Mm. Like, what is it that that current tribe or the tribe she had before is not giving her? Is it that she's not feeling seen? Is it that she's not feeling heard? Is it that she just can't see other people that maybe look like her or feel like her? Because again, it comes back to what I just said there at the start. Is she feeling alone in her experience Mm. and feeling like she's nobody to share that with? Because even though that other tribe have kids at a different stage now, maybe she can still connect in with them and relate and just share how she's feeling because friendships really really do change and it's really hard because like there is no village (laughs) we have to create our own village and friendships form such a key part of that Mm. I was just going to say that and I think so often if if you're going through something for instance say you've you've had your second child Mm. and you're back in the like no sleeping stage or whatever you can feel like when you're going to your friends who are out of that you can feel like you're like almost a burden on them like and bringing them down but actually like if my mates come to me now Mm. and they're like oh my god I'm so tired you know my kids are keeping me up all night I'm wet I'm more than happy to listen to them because you've you still have that thing that you've all been there like and just because you're not at the same stage I think true friends will always be there to hear you out and, and that's probably the key. Are they really her friends? Mm. You know, does she really feel secure in that friendship? Because if they are, they'll really want to support her because they felt it. They know what sleep deprivation is like. So yeah, I think it's just about maybe reaching back out to them and seeing if she can get that connection going and just being really honest about how she's feeling and sharing it. Absolutely. This is a good one, actually. Yes. And I think that's something that comes up a lot. Tips on trying not to compare yourself to your mum. I think my mum um, did everything. Yeah. I hear this a lot, right? Because when we become mums ourselves, the biggest relationship that changes in our life is the relationship we have with our own mum. Because we're now looking at her through a new lens because we didn't understand what it was all about before. And I think as kids, when we look at our mum, And this is actually going to be really helpful for us as mums as well. Generally, we believe our mum did a good job or we wonder, like, I remember becoming a mum saying to my mum, how did you do this? Mm. Like, This is really hard. And she's like, yeah, it is really hard. But yet we look back and see that as a really positive thing. We don't see the struggle. We don't see how hard they found it. But yet now that we're mums ourselves, we're very mindful of, will we do it wrong? Will our children think we didn't do our best? So I think it's about recognizing your mom probably didn't do it all because no mom could. She did her best and her best meant that you as a child, you probably felt loved and safe and actually realizing you probably are doing that for your child. It's just your child is not aware of everything that you are second guessing in your brain. And I think that's actually a really nice one because it takes that pressure off us a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think I I do this as well because my mum didn't necessarily have a career when I was younger. Mm. Um, she went back to work, I think, when I started secondary school, actually. Um, I think she did a few little bits and bobs, but, you know, she was definitely there a lot. Yeah. And so I think a lot of it can be circumstantial as well, yeah. you know, like a lot of women now choose to go back to work or have to go back to work like straight away. So they're not at every pickup. They're not at every drop off. They're not making their own world book day costumes and (laughs) all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, like, like you just said, kids don't, 
kids don't really see that stuff. They just, because they don't know any different anyway. Like as long as they feel happy and safe. That's their normal. And also Mm. you raised a good point there. Like as mums, we all compare to other mums, particularly our own mum. But Mm. you're comparing apples with oranges. They're not the same scenario. No two mums are the same. Mm -mm. And like that, for this particular question, maybe her mum didn't work outside the home. Mm. Maybe she is working outside the home. You can't compare And the key is, if you fond memories of your mom, then it's probably most likely your kids are going to have fond memories of you. So reduce that pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Again, something else that's come up a lot on this podcast. Does postpartum depression start after a year? Mm. We've heard this. We heard this with Louise Rowe um, and a few other people that they felt fine for the first year. And then when the one year mark hit, everything changed. This is such a key one, right? (laughs) I'll start off by the official definition and then I'll get into what I actually believe. So the World Health Organization would define postpartum depression as something that happens up to 12 months postpartum, right? That's the definition of it. If we take away the label of postnatal depression or postnatal anxiety, and let's say we just call it what's going on this week, our maternal mental health, right? Which I believe to be throughout motherhood. And this is why I'm going to give kind of three examples here, which is going to explain why this particular mom might be feeling like it's cropping up now at 12 months. The first is matrescence. I think I spoke about this the last time on the show, but for anyone who didn't hear that podcast, best kept secret of motherhood, matrescence is essentially adolescence, but for moms, it's the process of becoming a mom. It can last up to 10 years. It happens every time we have a baby. And during this time, we are at our most vulnerable from a psychological perspective, just like we did when we were adolescents and going through that. The second is postnatal depletion. So if you haven't heard of Dr. Oscar Serilak, he, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's an Australian doctor and he has done lots of research into this. And basically, postnatal depletion is what we experience up to two years postpartum. It's sort of the physical and emotional recovery from pregnancy. And again, we are at our most vulnerable from a psychological perspective. And then you tie in the third one, this will all make sense in a minute, which is baby brain, which we've all heard of, right? But they can now prove, so a study was released in 2016 that shows if you scan our brains, um, and it can it can show that we've carried a baby till full term and our gray matter has reduced. What the heck is gray matter and why does that matter? Gray matter is responsible for emotional regulation, uh, concentration, memory. So if things are feeling hard, remember, if you're 12 months, po- 12 months postpartum, you're still in the mix of matrescence, postnatal depletion and baby brain. And also you have gone through the biggest shift in identity you ever will. So very often from the clients I see, it is that sort of kind of six to 12 month period where they start to feel, oh my God, my mental health, I'm really starting to struggle with it. Because if you think about it, that's generally the time you start to go back to work. If you're going back to work, that's generally the time you're moving out of that sort of postnatal period back into the next stage of motherhood. And it's very often the time as women, we go, wait a minute, particularly if it's our first child, what just happened? Who am I now? Now that I'm starting to get sleep again, I don't know what to do. My whole identity has shifted. And actually, in my experience, I think a lot more women struggle with their mental health kind of at that one, two and three year postpartum period as opposed to the first six months. So I think for that mom, it's about has she actually been diagnosed with postpartum depression or is she struggling with her mental health? And the only thing she can identify it is, is this must be postnatal depression because Mm. both can be true, 
but the type of support you need will differ. Does that make any sense? (laughs) That does make sense. Um, No, it really does make sense. And I think... I do think as well, like you say, that that sort of six to 12 month mark is Mm. almost when reality hits a bit. Yeah. Like, I I just remember feeling like, oh, this is my life now. Yeah. Ah, okay. I think the first six months for me, I, I sort of made allowances for myself a bit, you know, like oh, we haven't had as many, you know, we haven't been out as much, but that's okay because I've just had a baby. Oh, we haven't done this as much. Oh, that's okay because I've just had a baby. And then all of a sudden like that year mark hits and you think, oh no, I think I should be feeling all right now and and back to myself but I'm not so yes it's mm. that permission piece isn't it that yes that yeah I'm not allowed to find this hard anymore now that it's Mm. like there's this societal expectation that well in the first few months you're recovering and you get well whatever little attention we get as moms (laughs) but then it's this expectation and then you just get on with life and it's like actually I don't know what life looks like for me now Exactly. And it's scary. Someone here has put, I still wake up every day thinking my baby might be dead when I wake. Will that ever stop? Oh, wow. Again, so this, I think what she's describing is an intrusive thought. And again, this is such a common thing with mums. I don't know if she sought advice from a GP or, or a psychologist, but I think the first thing to do is to recognize I'm having these thoughts, which I think she is it's okay. They are just thoughts. You know, it doesn't mean that it's going to happen. And then I think it's about going, right, what support do I need to try and manage this? So again, I don't know if she sought support, but how can she find the support that's going to help her work through recognizing this is a thought and giving her strategies in that moment in terms of, right, well, how realistic is it that that will happen? How likely is it that it will happen? Why do I think I'm fearing this? and work around that. And that might be support from a psychologist. It could be from like a life coach like me, but it's really about recognizing this is a normal thing to feel like intrusive thoughts can be a symptom of postpartum anxiety. Um, but it can also just be a symptom of, I'm really worried that something will happen my baby and Mm -hmm. I feel scared, but just recognize it is a normal thing. Many moms experience it, but do reach out to get the right support so that you can, can manage that because it doesn't feel nice. No. And actually that leads us on to this question here. Tips with health anxiety. I lost my sister to cancer when I was a child and it's affecting parenting. Do you get wow. this sort of thing a lot where something's happened in yeah. their childhood and then it's sort and, of... And, and again, it's key. So remember I said when we go through matrescence, we are at our most vulnerable from a psychological perspective. So part of what that means is If there's been any trauma as a child, and even not to the level of trauma, just something happened that was unresolved or that's just there, that's all going to come to the surface when you become a mom. That's why you're vulnerable. It it can't be pushed down anymore. So this is a very natural thing for her to feel if it happened when she, I'm not sure when, when, when it happened, but it's being reflective now on her children. I don't want anything to happen them. I don't want anything to happen me. So Again, it's normal. It's happening because you're extremely vulnerable from a psychological perspective. So again, what I would suggest there is imagine you were in a court of law and you were trying to argue the case because very often when this is happening, it's our emotional and it's hard to balance that with logical because the emotional fear takes over. So how likely is it that this is going to happen? And then give me all of the evidence you have, almost indulge in it. Tell me all of the reasons that you're so sure this is going to happen. And when you start to do that, 
you're kind of balancing it out with logic and what you find is, okay, this is just a fear, but being realistic, how likely is it it's going to happen to us? Do I really believe it's going to happen? If I were to be arguing this in court, would I win the case? Would I have enough facts? Because if you don't have facts, then you can balance that with the emotional fear of going, I feel it, I know I'm scared, but actually in reality, it's not likely to happen to us. And yeah. it's really hard in that moment because the fear takes over, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I guess, yeah, it's just like rationalising things, isn't it? And and I think, like you said, when you write it down, I always think when I've got those sort of like irrational thoughts, I think if my friend was coming to me telling me this, what would I be saying yeah. to that person? Because yeah. I would be saying the same as I'm saying to myself. And it's funny, we, we often believe others more than we believe ourselves. And I do this a lot with my clients where that inner critic comes up about motherhood mm. and they're like, I should have done this. I shouldn't have done that. And I'm like, if a stranger came up to you on the street and said that to you, what would your response be? And mm. like, I get angry with them. I tell them it's not true. And I'm like, so you get angry with a stranger and you believe the stranger that it's not true, but your inner critic, you're believing that like, it's it's so interesting how our inner critic can convince us of something that really has no logic yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. We've spoken about this. Some <laughs> strategies for when that mum rage just comes over oh. you and you lose it. Look, hands up. We've all had mum rage. Like, it's a very normal feeling. And I think to take a step back, it's about understanding why it's happening. And I think why I want to talk about this is when we experience mum rage, a lot of us feel immense guilt oh my God, I'm a terrible mom. I shouldn't be feeling this. I shouldn't have said that. But really, the reason you're feeling it is because it's a very normal response to an extremely challenging time in your life. If you think about your energy in terms of reserves, like we all have our roles and responsibilities in a day. And that includes like the mental load as well as practical tasks. And we all have our limit. And everywhere in between here is what I call our reserves. When our reserves are high, we have patience you know, we can see things clearly, we have energy, things just feel easier. But when they're lower depleted, which is the case for many mums, that's when our patience goes. Mm -hmm. That's when our ability to deal with things goes. That's why you're having mum rage. Essentially, you're just feeling really overwhelmed. That's okay. And it's normal. So in that moment, if depending on the level of rage, put your child somewhere safe, leave the room. It's absolutely fine to do that. If you're feeling intense rage, and you're scared, something will happen leave the room and just ask yourself, what do I need in this moment to feel calmer? Can I give it to myself now? Yes. Maybe I can't. It has to be later. Okay. What needs to happen for me to go back into that room and feel a bit calmer? And very often we have to step away because we're in that mum rage state. The logic, again, it's emotional. Our log the logical part of our brain is switched off. So we have to try fight it with logic and step out of it. And just above all, just be kind to yourself. It's really normal. So normal. I love that. Uh, I mean, that's what I, yeah, I, I've, I've got a lot better actually over the last couple yeah. of years, like just taking myself off from the situation. But I think it's easier to take yourself away from the situation when your kids get older because you feel like you can. But actually when they're a toddler or a baby, especially a baby when they can't move, you absolutely can't, can't take yeah. yourself because they're not going to go anywhere. They're not going to go anywhere. And actually when I experience mum rage now, I do see it as an opportunity of what's this telling me? What mm. am I not giving myself? My reserves must be depleted. I need to take care of myself better. I, I look at it in that perspective instead of you're an awful mum. You shouldn't feel like that. There's something wrong with you. You can't tell anyone. It's more, this is my body's way of telling me something is wrong. And even yeah. if we change the word, from mum rage to depleted reserves. It just feels nicer. 
Yeah, Rage it does. sounds bad. It does, exactly. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? Oh, this is interesting. How do I find a purpose other than keeping my kids alive? Oh, God, I hear this all the time. I hear it all the time. And I, I guarantee this mom is past that 12-month stage. She's, mm-hmm. she's probably, like, got older kids. And, again, it's back to matrescence, right? When we go through matrescence our values and our belief system change. Okay. I didn't even know what this meant. And I went through years of therapy and it was only when I started life coaching, I was like, what does that mean? So essentially like our value system is what anchors us. It's what helps us make decisions. It's what's important in life. And likewise, our belief system. So what has probably happened this mom is her value system has changed and she doesn't know what makes her happy anymore. She doesn't know what her purpose is. And she has given her kids 100% of her. And maybe they're getting a bit older now. And she's like, oh, what can I do? I don't know. It's that example. Have you ever been given an hour to yourself to go do what you want? And you're like, I, I don't actually I know what to do. do. <laughs> I think I'm just going to drive around and get a coffee. Like, I don't know what to do. So the simplest way to try and learn about this again is I call it like dating yourself. Get to know yourself. Like imagine you're dating yourself for the first time. Start trying different things. Think about what brought you joy maybe five years ago. Start exploring in that again. If it doesn't bring you joy, just do tiny little things. Maybe it's like getting completely engaged in a Netflix show. Maybe it's taking up a new sport. Maybe it's doing some personal development or growth, like studying something on the side. It could be anything. But the only way to figure out what that looks for you is really tuning into what you need and just giving yourself permission to try different things. Date yourself. Yeah, that's why it's happening. Do you know what I also think? And I've been having conversations with friends about this recently. Um, that it's actually okay to just mm. dedicate yourself to raising kids for a bit. Like, if you're happy with that, I think that that's fine. Like, yeah. it's only if you're not, you know, you're not, you don't feel fulfilled by it. And I think that there's quite a lot of pressure um, on women and and men, and you know, to have everything still have their old life and then still have kids and have a great career and do this and do that and actually like you don't have to like if you're happy raising children and dedicating yourself to that right now then you know so that's so key there's no right or wrong way to do this whole motherhood thing but the challenge is there's such immense pressure there's there seems to be this judgment from every direction about you're doing it right or you're doing it wrong and Mm. I think it stems from 
the fact that we all want to do it right Mm. (laughs) that I think sometimes whether we realize it or not we may be judging other people or we may feel like we're doing it wrong but absolutely if you want to spend all of your time with your children and that's what gives you joy then do it then do it what anyone else is doing that's what I was going to say, just because, you know, your friends or people around you are doing, you know, they feel like that they've got loads of other stuff going on. It doesn't mean that it's working for them and it doesn't mean yeah. it would work for you either. So, um, And actually yeah. to that point for that mum, maybe this is what she's meant to be doing. Mm, maybe maybe there's nothing purpose. else interesting her because this is what brings her joy right now, and that's mm. fine too. Yeah, I yeah, I think so. I think we had deliciously Ella. Oh, that's not her name, is it? Her name's Ella Mills, but deliciously <laughs> Ella. That's what we all know her as. <laughs> know her as on the <laughs> podcast, uh, way over a year, I think, ago now, and she said that she sees her life in chapters, mm. and at the moment, her chap that like, all she can fit in is mothering and parent um sorry being a parent and her career she hasn't yeah. got any room for anything else she's only yeah. she has no room for socializing and and she thinks oh well that that time will come and I really loved that because I think yeah. so often we're trying to fit everything in and we can't we so. can't do everything mm-hmm. we can do yeah. anything but not everything and I really respect what she said there because I think that's about having real clarity on what you need and want in your stage in life and we're exactly. always in different chapters And right now, for many of us as mums, we're the most stretched we'll ever be. So it's about what needs to happen for this time to be enjoyable and for me to like actually navigate it. And that means probably doing less if that's Mm. what you want. Yeah, exactly. Here's another question. Sometimes I just don't feel cut out to be a mum as it's so hard. I currently have a four and two year old. No one prepares you. No. And again, I would challenge this mum. What does it mean to be cut out to be a mum? Because mm. I'm, I'm sensing a little bit of criticism, inner critic there going, am I doing it wrong? I'm not cut out for it. I could be wrong. But what does being cut out to be a mum look like? That's the first thing, because there's no right or wrong way to do it. We're all just doing it the best way we can. And the second thing to recognize is it is hard. Mm. Like I, I've yet to meet a mum. I've supported over 3000 mums that have said, this is easy peasy. I've enjoyed every moment of it. The reality is it's really hard. Yes, there's amazing times. So that's the first thing. What would it look like to be cut out? And does it help knowing you're not alone? Because it is hard. And then it's about asking yourself kind of what we were just discussing there. What do I need mm. for this to feel easier? What small changes need to happen in my life so that this feels easier to me? Do I need to get more rest? Do I need to re-engage with my friends a little bit more? Do I need to have a different relationship with my partner? If I'm at work, do I want to take a career break? If I'm not at work, do I want to go back to work? There's so many things, but I would take that as a signal. If you're finding it hard, you're not alone. (laughs) And also tune into or start exploring what would it look like if it didn't feel so hard? And start imagining what changes you could make because sometimes it's just a tiny change. That's all it is. Yeah, absolutely. This is really interesting, actually. How do you know the difference between postpartum depression and just Mm. finding looking after two little ones hard? I find myself crying every day and struggling. I don't have a big support network. So this could be why, or is it just, or is it just blues? Oh, this is so hard. Again, I hear this a lot and the, the way I would talk about this, right? And I think very often we get caught up on the label postpartum depression. First of all, I suppose, before I get into that, how does she know if it's worth seeking extra support? 
It's definitely worth having a conversation with your GP anyway, but a real way to know is how much is it impacting your day-to-day ability to function. So if you've postpartum depression, and again, any woman that experiences that, that's on a spectrum as well, but are you finding it hard to actually function? Is your day-to-day becoming really unmanageable or are you feeling just really sad and upset and finding it hard? And the reason I say forget about the label for now is what you're feeling is real and valid, regardless if you postnatal depression or not. What you're needing deserves support, regardless if it's postnatal depression or not. So I would really suggest reach out to your GP if you haven't already done so, or your public health nurse, and try to get clarity on is it postpartum depression or not. But either way, give yourself permission to recognize it's real and it's valid and you deserve support. Because many, I was just talking about this on my Instagram page the other day, what stops mums from seeking support? And it's like, well, I think I'm imagining it and also there's shame. Mm. So I would suggest starting there and recognizing it's real and it's valid. Whatever's driving it, you can find out. But the first port of call is to get support. Yeah, brilliant. I feel like I can no longer cope. I'm a mum of two. They're three and one. I work four days a week, but really five. My children keep being sick, have injured myself, so I can't walk. My husband is wonderful, but I'm drowning and I need help, but I don't know where to turn. Oh, goodness. And this is so many of us. I don't know what winter you've had, but I have had kids at home with me, honestly, since September. It has been nonstop. Right. In the short term, because this is about short term, this isn't going to be forever. You cannot do everything. Okay. That's the reality. You cannot do everything, but you can do anything. So this is what I call about looking at the balls you have in the air and identifying which ones will break if you drop them and which ones will bounce. The ones that will bounce are things that are not essential. It doesn't really matter. They're generally things that we put massive pressure on ourselves to do. And the ones that will be that will break are essential. You have to keep them going. So identify what that is. And then you need to start dropping balls. Because I think from what she's saying, there's immense pressure of, I can't keep doing this. Like there's so much going on. I can't do it. I can't handle it. So then we need to get rid of stuff in the short term. Identify what they are and get rid of them. And then the second thing is back to the piece I spoke about the reserves earlier. It sounds like her reserves are completely depleted. And we need to start filling them up a tiny little bit. And I don't mean bubble baths. (laughs) I don't mean walking. I don't mean any of the traditional stuff that we hear. This is about her being very compassionate with herself and realizing this is an extremely challenging time. She's doing her best. This is about surviving at the moment. Drop what she can and just being more compassionate with herself. And if those two things can happen, I think she will find it a little bit easier. That would be my advice. Yeah, I love that. I think, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot to be said in accepting sometimes. Mm. It is a difficult time, like, and accepting that you're not going to be able to do everything really well. And yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, acceptance doesn't solve everything. Of course not. But I do, when I've, when I feel overwhelmed, I sometimes just have to like, give myself a little talking to and be like right okay this is a really hard time and it is going to be hard but you are going to be fine and you are going to get through it this isn't so much of a question but I guess just a sort of a talking point Mm. um someone said I suffered with postpartum anxiety after having my second could you talk about this as I've never really heard anyone talk about it before yeah we spoke about intuitive thoughts didn't we yeah and and it's, it's very true we hear about postpartum depression all the time but why not postpartum anxiety And 
The thing is, there's massive overlap between them. This is why it's really key that you seek support from a doctor or a psychologist in getting that diagnosis. Mm. Um, So if we talk about postpartum depression first, like some of the symptoms of that would be like feeling intense sadness, crying, like hard to find joy, kind of questioning your ability as a mom, like almost sort of low energy right? And I'm saying this as like a general statement because you see now there's massive overlap. Postpartum anxiety is more of that sense of like excessive worry, the intrusive thoughts, trying to like take back lots of control. I almost describe it as like postpartum anxiety is almost high energy. You're constantly like trying to do more, overthinking, worry, worry, something bad's going to happen. Whereas postpartum depression can feel very low. However, they overlap. So you can have postpartum depression, but yet experience anxiety and have intrusive thoughts. You can have postpartum anxiety and have moments of low mood. Um, the main overlap is like insomnia, um, like feeling afraid, all of those sort of things. So that's why it's really important that you get the right support because, yeah, there's massive overlap. And again, it's back to my point earlier. Imagine if there were no labels for these things. Look at the challenge right in front of you. And recognize this is real. This is valid. I don't need to justify this. There's no shame in it. And I need to get support. I almost look at it. And this is kind of a valid point, which is probably slightly off topic. But I think it's really key in terms of helping moms recognize that whatever they're experiencing and feeling, it's real and valid. And we don't have to wait for a professional to tell us for it to become real and to support, to seek support. Like I remember with my two kids. So I have two boys. They're autistic. And I remember it was the biggest lesson in parenting I ever got because we were waiting for assessments, right? And my three-year-old, he's still nonverbal. And at the time he was nonverbal. And I was like, well, we need to find out if it's autism before we start treating it. And, you know, it was this urgency of we need to figure out what it is. And the psychologist at the time, and it was just the best advice ever, was like, he may be autistic or he may not be. And over time, we'll find that out. But right now, the challenge that's right in front of us is real and valid. He's not talking. We need to start treating that and supporting that. And in time, we'll figure out the rest. And I think it's so key as mums to take that for ourselves and go, if I feel anxious, then that's real. I don't need a doctor to tell me, yes, I need them to confirm and support me, but I can seek that support Mm. without it being validated, if that makes sense. It's real. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you don't need to wait. Like You, like you don't you need to wait. Yeah, It's a catch-22. Sometimes we won't give ourselves permission to seek support until we get the doctor to tell us. But sometimes we can't go to the doctor because we feel like it's not valid and it's not real. And it's this vicious circle. Mm. Gosh, I thought, <laughs> I mean, we could go on. I mean, there's so many more questions, but yeah. I th- I'm hoping that we've covered like the, the topics, the reoccurring topics that have come up a lot. And um, are there any like resources that you can signpost people to? If you have not read Dr. Oscar Serilak's book, The Postnatal Depletion Cure, read it. It is the best resource you can ever have in terms of understanding what you're navigating. Um, I think it's really about tuning into the resources that feel right to you. Like, I'm not going to give a list of like the official resources, but what I will say is do a social media audit. Okay. Mm. (laughs) Tune into the information you're absorbing. And I always say this with social media, if it's not entertaining you, educating you or empowering you, unfollow. Because a massive influence on your mental health as a mom 
is what we believe everyone else is doing. They're doing it better. And we all know social media is not real. It's a snippet in time. So one of the biggest things you can do for yourself this week is do a social media audit and control what you're absorbing. And if it's not making you feel good, unfollow. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. And with everything in your life, I in think. In everything yeah. in your life. Yeah. yeah. Like unfollow, unfollow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Laura. <laughs> I really, yeah, that's that's been re- really wonderful. And I really hope that it's helped anyone listening as well. Um, if you've got any more topics you'd like us to cover on these Friday Q&As, then please do drop Zoe and I a message. We're on at Made by Mummers on Instagram. And while you're there, if you'd like to hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review and also just any nice review, we love reading them, um, then please do that as well. And we'll be back on Tuesday. Made by Mamas is an Insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group.